When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's it, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 211. Should you use code or no code? So this episode is going to be all about whether you should be coding up a project or no coding up a project with various platforms and apps out there like Webflow and Plasmic and stuff like that. And, and on that note, just a disclaimer to everyone, Mike is currently a developer advocate for Plasmic, which is a no code visual site builder. So just letting everyone know that. So in case he brings it up, just a, just an FYI on that. And I also want to bring out one other thing is that occasionally during this episode, I may say custom code. When I say that, I mean, literally somebody coding up a project. I may use that just so that the word code isn't just sort of buried in a sentence. So with that, if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go and check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And just a brief introduction before we get into the two different sides of this coin, custom code gives you the ability to make virtually anything that you can imagine, limited typically only by your budget or your ability to actually code up whatever it is you wanted. Now, the power of this custom code comes with some drawbacks, most notably the amount of time that it takes to actually learn how to code and how long it takes to get a project off the ground. So I'm talking a from scratch project. You're making everything. It's going to be pretty. It's going to take a while. You know, it's This isn't going to be your one click WordPress install that many hosts offer. It, that's just not going to be the case. No code, on the other hand, gives anyone with basic computer skills the ability to spin up a powerful website or web app limited only by the no-code platform capabilities and your budget. Now, the drawbacks of no-code are, of course, the limitations in the actual platform itself and the fact that a lot of the time when there's a limitation, an example would be if you're using a no-code platform that gives you the ability to make a blog but does not give you the ability to make email forms. You may go to another service provider, another no-code tool to get forms that are embeddable into this blogging platform. When you do that, yes, you are still using no code, but the budget is going to start to balloon and you're starting to use multiple projects. So this can become a problem and therefore is one of those limitations where you have to sort of look elsewhere rather than just coding up a form by yourself. Also, like I said, with budget, these tools are often more expensive than building with custom code. So the budget can easily balloon as these different tools are added, if you're using more than one, or as you're going slash upgrading, scaling, whatever you want to say, through the tiers of no code. A lot of these no code tools will say, hey, this this package, this basic package, this silver package, this gold package, whatever it is, is designed for X amount of hits or can handle X amount of CMS items. And if your site kicks around for a long time or just really gets through the content, you are going to hit these limits and have to scale up. And this is a potentially, or at least in relation to the previous tier, potentially a pretty large increase in price in comparison to something like a custom or just a code, a coded solution in which you are more or less choosing a server, choosing a host to go on, maybe even self-hosting it in some way, like you're actually hosting a server in your own building or whatever it is, and then offering these services out. Because effectively what you're paying for with the no-code no code tool is you're paying effectively the staff that works at the no-code platform or the, the web app, whatever, works in that office to make the tool. And then you're also paying most of the time a hosting fee because a lot of these no-code no code tools are hosted on the actual no-code tools platform. So – with these sort of pros and cons, different things to think about, which one should you approach first? And I'm going to be going into an in-depth look at code, 
and then also no code right after. And then Mike and I will probably have a bit of a debate and a discussion on where the line is and what we would use for certain projects and kind of just a general discussion on that. So the only other thing I want to introduce into this introduction is maybe a differentiation between no code and low code, right? So there is something like there's code, there's no code, and then there's also low code. And a low code platform, I'd still consider in the territory of no code, but low code is very much targeted at developers like directly because usually to integrate a low code platform, you need to do some sort of coding, like you need to integrate it into your code base or something like that. And then it allows you to do a bunch of stuff that you would usually write in code in a no code platform. But it requires, again, a developer to do that integration or to do some sort of minor adjustments or something like that. Um, so like a headless CMS, in my opinion, is a low code platform because, again, it requires you to integrate a some, something like um, Strappy, for instance. You have to integrate that into your code base. So you can't, you know, a, a non-developer cannot use a headless CMS or cannot um, activate a headless CMS into their projects. So it's a low code thing. I think it's still, we'll still talk about it in a no code perspective more than anything right now, but just know that there is a little bit of a differentiation because Matt and I are both developers. We can use no code and low code interchangeably, but no code in general is very much targeted at a non-developer at all. So like a marketing person or just a, a brand builder or uh, you know an entrepreneur or whatever, someone that has no knowledge of code is where no code falls. And that's why I just want to introduce a little bit of that low code. It's a good distinction to make too, because obviously as people make no code platforms or just tools across the across the web there's going to be a muddying of the of the line between things like code and no code low code etc because there's new and innovative solutions coming out across the board anyway and also some low code stuff is also or arguably i would say sometimes used for kids to start to learn to code kind of they start kind of touching on pseudo code and stuff like that and cuz i know that coding at least here wasn't too big in our schooling when we were going through the public school system, namely kindergarten through grade uh, 12, I suppose it would be. But now it is. And they're starting to sort of teach a bit of this sort of machine and computer logic. So there's going to be a bit of a muddying of the waters in terms of it's not just a straight code, no code. But for the sake of this episode, that's how we're going to be treating it, like Mike said. So the first one up here is when when to use code. When do you want to use that custom code? And custom code is absolutely required when you're making something truly unique. So no-code tools are tailored to things that are made commonly. So things like a membership site that lock away blog posts from members. But if you're inventing a brand new genre of site or taking a, taking on a cutting-edge project, you'll more than likely need to use it, or more than likely, excuse me, need to make it yourself. Something like Webflow is a good example, where Webflow has a CMS, which is good for good for uh, the visual editing of a site. So you can actually go in and you can click on certain things like headings and like, visually change the heading and visually change the odd little thing. And then there's like the actual, I guess the meat of the CMS component, which would be the actual sort of blog platform where you can make new pages, right? New blog posts, shoot, make new tags, make new categories, stuff like that. And it's, like ultimately it's designed for a site like that. It's designed for a site that's been done before. Maybe it's unique content on the site. The content can be unique, but the actual technical structure is that little bit of visual editing. And then the meat of the CMS and Webflow is again, that sort of creation tool where you're filling in a form to get things done, you know, show hide buttons, adding the author, rich text, et cetera, et cetera, selecting things in select boxes, all that type of stuff. This is stuff that's all been done before. But if it hasn't been done before or is not commonly done, no-code tools are not going to go out of their way to make that type of thing because who are they selling to? 15 people? So they're so custom code when it comes to this sort of cutting edge or really sort of niche or really brand new things really need to be custom code or just coded up from scratch largely. Now, some... Another one here, another type of thing that requires code is that some very performance heavy applications need custom code 
in order to manage the weight on a client's hardware and even the hosting hardware. So you can offload some computing stuff, right? You can offload that via JavaScript or something and have a little bit of the rendering and whatnot be done by the, by the person's computer, right? Or some of the computing, I should say, be done by the, the, the client's computer. But some stuff obviously needs to be done on the hosting end. So, you know, managing of the database is a big one. And if you have like a really heavy site and something that's like really, really requires a very performant environment, you can't offload too much to the client because then you're going to have, you're going to require people to have like, I don't know, gaming PCs or high end PCs to run this thing, run the site. And it's a, it's a website, remember, but then also you're going to have to really consider the host end too. We have, even on projects that we've worked on, which are not, you know, mega viral projects, we've hit limits and we've had to upgrade to higher end VPS, which are hundreds of percent more efficient, hundreds of percent more powerful in terms of their computing power in order to manage databases and like users logging in and those type of things that need to hit that back end. So when you're using something or when you have something that's very performance heavy, custom code usually needs to be used. Now you could use, you could use no code for some of these things because some of these things are just like a really heavy blog. But why, why is custom code or why is code the thing that I'm mentioning here? It's because you can tweak every little thing. You can go in there and say, when a user logs in and the load is heavy right now, I want you to render a page that has images that are smaller. Maybe they're a little blurry even just to manage the traffic. You can go in and do stuff like that with custom code. You can't do that with no code. And with no code, it loads everything that you select in there because it's a one-size-fits-all solution. And we'll talk about this later in the episode as well. But because it's a one-size-fits-all solution, they might just have a login system. And it might check 40 things that you don't use before you get to the one thing that you use for, say, your management site. That 40, those 40 checks are because it's a general tool. So it's going through and being like, is the user using this? Yes, this, 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 no, 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 down this list. But that's taking up time. And if you have a lot of users trying to log in, hitting that server all at the same time, you start getting performance problems. Webflow is a good example of this because Webflow recently actually talk, like changed some of their performance stuff. There's been talk about in their sort of patch notes or their sort of update notes that they give out. They talk about stuff like this where they mention things like, hey, like, you know, we've done this to improve performance, really heavy sites with a lot of CMS items are going to perform better now because we've made these changes. So no code, no code sites are hit by this, right? Because they're again, a one size fits all solution. And they even have to sort of refactor and recombobulate what they're doing. So if you are on that, if we're good to, to combine these two points, if you're on that cutting edge, making something completely completely unique, and then you come in and it's something that's really heavy, like you're Real, like you're rendering images or you're rendering video on a server and it's like really heavy. Having those extra milliseconds or seconds or even full minutes, depending on how efficient you make the stuff, having that is having the power to even do that is really powerful. Whereas if you start hitting the performance limits of a no code tool, unless you can scale up to a different tier, you might just be out of luck, but you can always get another host. You can always get in more servers. You can always scale to AWS or one of those services like Azure, cloud computing services, and then they scale as well. And these things are largely, largely used when you're, you're using a completely or mostly custom solution, a custom code solution. Next thing here is if you need an extreme amount of control over your site slash app then custom code or coding is more than likely your best option. This allows you obviously to change almost any aspect visually and technically of your project and even to tailor it for a different host. You could maybe find a really killer deal on an IIS host. I don't know where you'd find that, but you could you could maybe do that and then you could tailor your code to run on IIS. Whereas if you're using some sort of no-code tool that for whatever reason is self-hosted, if it doesn't run on IIS, it doesn't run on IIS. It's just, it's not going to happen unless it's some sort of open source solution, in which case now you're coding. So if you need a really extreme amount of control over your site and app, custom code or just coding is really, really the best thing for you. The thing, the thing with this too is a lot of 
not necessarily no code solutions, but a lot of platforms out there, learning management systems, membership site, membership site systems, no code tools, of course, that are in general, like site builders, those type of things. The thing with them is a lot of them have a lot of settings. They'll have settings that are so complex that, you know, you're, when you set one thing, something else gets tripped and you don't know what's happening. Or in order to get the desired result, you know, it's not just, you know, flip a switch. It's flip this switch, then this switch, then this switch, then that, and then go up here and change this to a one, stuff like that in the settings menu to get things to work. And that is fine until it isn't. If you get, you know, 99% of your project done, but it has to be at 100% to the client spec and there's something wrong and it's, say, a government project, what are you going to do? You have to be able to, at the very least, get in there like an open source project. You could go into some sort of platform and do some coding to change it. But if it's a closed source, no code platform, you're absolutely screwed. You can't do anything. And, and these, if it's like a, if it's a government agency or maybe like a really big client, they're going to be like, I wanted my logo on the left. And if it can't be on the left, we're done. You know, that that's it. That those type of projects can happen. And this is one of the really key things to consider because from a technical perspective, a lot can be accomplished with these platforms. But you got to see how strict your client is. The next thing here, coded projects can be self-hosted much more easily than no-code projects. This allows you to dial in your budget and scale as needed with a variety of options. No-code solutions generally, and I do say generally because some of them will allow you to self-host, but they generally do not have self-host options. And their hosted options, so meaning let's say you're on Webflow and you're hosting on Webflow, their hosted options are often expensive and increase as your usage increases. So expensive is a relative term, obviously, where you know, you might think $20 a month is expensive. You might think that $20 is nothing and $500 a month is nothing as well. It certainly just depends on that. But in terms of, let's say, in relation to the budget, you can find $5 a month shared hosting for a small project that you're doing. Whereas on a no-code project, you could be paying $20, $30, $50 a month, depending on what what combination of no-code tools you're using. So a lot of these, a lot of these things, obviously, like they're they're a built-in platform. You have to pay for hosting your data or hosting whatever it is that you're doing on their server, hosting your account on there, whatever it is. So realistically speaking, if you want something that's like really budget conscious, chances are, and this is some of the no code stuff's really cheap, but chances are a custom coded project, which you're going to be going after because you can self host it. You can move it around. You can scale it. You can do stuff like that. Now, of course, I just want to give a brief mention that there are some no-code tools like, for example, Webflow. You can export the visual aspect of the site. You could, you know, make, let's say, make up a nice uh, homepage, export that, and then you could go self-host it. So there are some options for no-code solutions, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones out there as well. But just in general, I'm talking. And also another thing about self-hosted solutions is sometimes self-hosted solutions are, are literally required for some projects. Because those projects are security conscious or they're trying to abide by certain laws, oftentimes security laws, so same type of thing, or for apps that need to be put on a company intranet. If a company wants it on their web server for their employees while they are in the office, it's going to have to be self-hosted. Otherwise, it's going to be out and you don't necessarily know where the servers are unless the no-code platform discloses that and it's a whole thing. So sometimes they're like, no, I want a wiki, for example, is a, is a common one that's in a, in a company intranet where it's like, I need a wiki for the R&D department because they're going to be talking about our cutting edge, massively NDA'd projects that are so theoretical that, you know, even the even the designers don't even really know what, what it's going to look like yet. And I don't want that being leaked out. So company security, especially on an intranet commonly, just security conscious apps, sometimes those need to be self-hosted because you need to control every single aspect of that hosting environment. Now, in a similar vein, budgets can be dialed in easier on these custom code projects. You can develop individual features as the budget allows. So as a as let's say a client comes to you and they say, you know, I really want uh, a restaurant website and I would really love it for to have like some sort of ordering system where 
let's just say they go into the menu, an interactive menu, they select what they want, and it just sends an email. For the sake of example, let's say that's all it does. It sends an email with those options. But, you know, I only have $500. Well, maybe for the $500, you could set them up with a landing page and a menu on that landing page. And that menu could even just be a photo or more than likely a digital version of what the menu that they have in store is. You could do that. And then, you know, that you tell them in a few months when you save up or if you're happy with the site or whatever happens, we can go and we can slowly develop this other menu feature in the background. And then once it's ready, we'll deploy that to the site and then people will be able to send you emails with this interactive menu. You can individually break down tasks a little easier. With a no-code tool, oftentimes you're buying a package deal and you get everything all at once. And so it's you're you're getting, let's say, 30 features and only using five but you, you're still going to get 30. So you're still paying for the ability to use the 30. There's no way to like really specifically do this. And this is actually really important for media heavy sites where let's say you're a website that hosts, um, downloads or downloadable uh, wallpapers. So wallpapers need to be high quality. They need to be, let's say 4K and down. Let's just for the sake of example. Those are big, big, big files. Well, you know, you might you might say, well, I, you know, I don't want to have I like I don't want to have uh, to I don't want to have to host 4K. It's too big. I just don't want to have to do that. So maybe you'll develop the features so that it allows up to 1080p. So allows your site to get a bit of traction, allows your site to get seen a little bit. And then, you know, you're not using too much disk space. The budget's a little bit dialed in. And then once your site gets big enough, you're like, all right, now we're going to allow like four and eight K. And then that, like your, uh, your size, like your disk space usage is going to balloon, but then, but then you're able to manage that. And then also because it's a coded solution, you could then start looking at, okay, how can I compress these so that I show a nice looking thumbnail that is not actually four or eight K or maybe even not even 1080p, but they're getting a nice compressed package that when unzipped, is the nice 4K image. And then that'll save. And so all this little bit of dialing in on the features and dialing in on the budget really can be done really meticulously with a custom code project. Also with this, and I've already mentioned this a little bit with the disk space is hosting can be scared, can be scaled, excuse me, carefully and slowly. So you can do stuff like literally going to a random host, I don't know, HostGator, buying their very early, 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 like starter package, whatever it is. And a bunch of, bunch of other hosts have this shared hosting. They all have this type of stuff, like a really cheap, maybe two to $5, whatever. It's always on sale. So it ranges a lot. Just a basic, basic, basic plan. You go there. It's, let's say it's a WordPress site. You build the site and it, it like, you know, it runs good enough for you to run it to build it. But then the instant you put it out there, you start getting a little traffic and the actual, like the problems start showing up. You start seeing like, uh Oh, like I'm starting to have some, uh, you know, I'm starting to have like some crashes. I'm starting to have too many entry processes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. With the hosting this way, you should be able to like, you, you, you will be able to scale it just as you need scale it just as just enough so that see, you kept the budget really low when you were building up the site, you know, let's say you were, coding up your own WordPress plugin for your blog. And so that's what you're doing in there. And you just needed that two or $3 plan. You did that for a year, took you a year to build this plugin. Okay, great. Now you move on to making it public. Oh, it's, it's too much money now. Well, now I'll go to the $15 plan, the $10 plan, the $30 plan, whatever it is that, that makes sense. Oh, that's too much. Okay. Maybe we can go back down to the 15. Maybe we can go back down to the 10. You can do this a little bit easier with these sort of things. And again, you can do this with no code with the tiers, but with a custom code, you can really dial it in. With the wallpaper example, you can actually, like I said, the this space will balloon because you have these large files. So you might be paying a thousand dollars a month, let's say, for your hosting. And then you then you hire a developer to make a custom code solution so that it shrinks everything down. It compresses these files. And when people upload new wallpapers for download, it really compresses, 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 right? Now, all of a sudden, do you need to pay $1,000 a month? Maybe not. Maybe you can go back down to the $250. Maybe you can do that. And you can really like get really intricate with this stuff where you can choose where to spend the budget, where to, where to choose which features you need, determine what features you need, all that type of stuff. And with this, that goes 
perfectly into my next point, which is you can develop only what you need and cut whatever you don't. That work, that web, uh, the, excuse me, the, uh, the wallpaper site, let's say it has a blog and you use the blog maybe to get a little bit SEO. And then for whatever reason, the blog just falls off and everyone just keeps hitting your actual wallpaper pages and the blog is just useless. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to have it anymore. You can just cut that right out. It's, it's not like a no code tool where the blog is included and you're effectively paying for it. Um, it's gone. You can just cut that right out. And if that blog took a lot of space, once again, you can pay less for, pay less for hosting potentially. Uh, you could maybe even get rid of if you were using, um, some sort of license for a, a, a plugin or something like that for your blogging capability. You can just get rid of it. Just d- be done with it and just use your little custom code sort of wallpaper solution. And that's it. That's all you need. So you can cut whatever you do not need and only develop what you do need. You can get really meticulous with this. And I'll talk about combining because I've already mentioned like a plug in here and there and stuff like this. You can also sort of combine a no code and a code solution. And we'll talk about that after these two segments just to not muddy the waters too much. Now, the careful approach as well. This is the last point in the, the when to use code is the careful approach of going in and meticulously doing all this stuff, right? Developing individual features, scaling the hosting responsibly, maybe even scaling the team responsibly, doing this type of stuff. Being really slow, meticulous and watching it grow, adjusting where you need to, cutting what you don't, those type of things. It helps you manage technical debt. Technical debt might sound like it it's debt that isn't money. It doesn't cost you anything. It actually costs you a lot of money, though, a lot of money in maintenance and refactoring. Mike and I were discussing, I forget exactly where we saw the number, but there was something something written. I think it might have been on Hashnode where someone said something like, uh, close to or around 50% of a developer's time in some sort of poll that was taken is done is used, excuse me, on maintenance and refactoring due to technical debt. Like this is, this is wild. Even if it was 20%, 30%, it's because these, these projects, they blow up really fast. The team gets scaled. They don't know what tools they are using. Everyone's running around with their head cut off. Cause it's just like, is it working now? Okay, good enough. Let's move to the next thing. It's not like, Hey, can we like double check and make sure that server is not going to crash? You don't got time for that. So if you like take this slow methodical approach, it doesn't need to necessarily be slow as in let's take a break every day, but like really look and dial in, I guess is a better way to say it. Dial in what you need and want your technical debt can be reduced. Cause there's always going to be technical debt. But imagine it's just like a solution where you say, like, I'm just going to let it like run rampant. And then like versus the versus the other person that has a mitigation method, the person that has the mitigation method is still experiencing the same problem as you, but not typically not at the same scale as you. And so they're saving that disparity in the amount of problem. They're saving that much money. They're saving that much time. So this is something that like this is something that only you can really only do for the most part in custom coded solutions is that really kind of close knit dialed in approach, being really meticulous, choosing those, choosing those features, cutting those features and just making your project just so. Yeah, I, th- I think you covered it really well, Matt. And I really only have a couple other things to add to the potential list of uh, why would you use code, right? One of them is changing scope. You touched on it a little bit, but essentially if you get into a project and you're gathering requirements and you hear that your client or your boss or your team, they can't establish a, a solid set of requirements. And then they also have like, you know, another hundred features that they want in the future. You know that this project is going to evolve rapidly as it's built out. That's a very good indication that custom code is going to be required because although no code is evolving and no code is great. Uh, in a lot of different ways, what it isn't great at is evolving as fast as your project can evolve in terms of feature set. So if you're locked into a platform like Webflow, like WordPress, I mean, WordPress a little bit less than Webflow, I would say, but regardless, if you're locked into a platform that doesn't have an extensive extension market and doesn't have a really good way of extending the code of that platform, you're going to be limited, period. Regardless of how great that platform is, regardless of how good the features that are already there, you're going to be limited. And the other caution that I have here is that some no-code platforms will say, well, we have, you know, e-commerce down down the line. Like, well, it's going to be released in a couple months. And we have, like, memberships down the line. It's going to be released really soon. Never take those for, like, at, at 100%. Never take the fact that they're going to be releasing features that you're going to need soon. 
because a they could be delayed two they could be not released because they could be un- cost uh there could be a huge cost associated with them so they could be canceled and three even if they are released most likely they're going to need multiple iterations months or years before they're at the same level as a competitor or at the same level as a custom code solution right so that's where your head has to be at this point when you're making a decision between no code and code is we need these features now. And if this platform doesn't have them right now, then we can't rely on that. We can't rely on them promising this feature in the future, even if the support team tells you it's coming, even if you have like a, if there's an alpha build out there, I, I don't rely on that, like period. It's just a, a huge caution that I have for everyone. The other thing is integrations. A lot of different projects, let's say e-commerce, you need a million different integrations in e-commerce because the marketing team is going to want to analyze every little piece of that website. Uh, the And they're going to need to embed different kind of like snippets of code to, to do that. They're going to be, need to embed like analytic snippets. They're going to need to embed um, conversion snippets. They're going to maybe need to embed an A-B test snippet. Like there's just a million different things that they would want to add to the site. Now, obviously, you want to push back a little bit, whatever, but regardless – Business always wins. Uh, there might be some integrations on the dev side that you need. Like you need to be able to do payment processing from 15 different payments. Maybe you're, you need a niche payment method. Like I know a lot of no code platforms obviously support the major payment methods, but what happens if you're need to send, need to sell in some, you know, random country that just isn't, isn't supported by those no code platforms? That's it. You're out of luck, right? Like you have to either get a custom code solution going or whatever. So when you have a lot of integrations coming, that are especially outside the box, right? Or if it's a, like a large project that could potentially be view, um, have like 15 different stakeholders, like different departments coming in. That's another indicator that custom code could be the solution, right? Custom code, or at least partially could be the solution because integrations are really important in, in these larger projects and no code solutions, although they absolutely support integrations. They won't support as many as infinite, which is what custom code supports. Then like those are kind of like the big, the big ones for me. I I did want to reiterate your custom code. Like if you need a unique solution, that's where custom code is the best. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. That's probably the strongest one to stand on. In fact, because these unique solutions, like Matt was saying, they are, Usually one-offs or usually like a dozen people need them or a couple companies need them. And no-code platforms just will not spend the extra money to adapt to those things because it's just there's no return on that, right? Like as good as a no-code platform can be, at the end of the day, they're usually about revenue. And that's another consideration that you have to think about because if if a company is about revenue, then they're going to be working for the lowest common denominator. And if their revenue ever falls then you're, you have to start worrying about the fact that, hey, what happens if this company closes? Like what happens if I'm not going to name any companies because I feel I'm just, I'm just going to make up a, make up a no code company called Blue Black or whatever. Let's say Blue Black fails and all of your stuff is on Blue Black. Your entire infrastructure is on Blue Black. What happens then? First of all, you need to worry about off-ramping. You need to worry about that should be a number one worry. In fact, when you're choosing a no-code platform, is there a no-code platform? Is there a way an off-ramp to off-ramp? Matt was mentioning with Webflow that you can just extract your HTML and CSS. That's one way to off-ramp, right? You have to worry about that because it can happen. Even if a company is extremely solid right now, they have funding, they have Series A funding, they have investors, it's profitable. Three years down the line, it could change easily. And there's no guarantee that they're, they're not going to keep the servers up if it's not profitable over a certain period of time. So it's beyond that too. It, like a business, like business mistakes. The, the, the company could be doing well. The market's doing well. Every, like everything is pointing towards success, but an actual mistake legally or whatever could completely destroy a company just in general. Like it could just, it, it, it can happen. Even, even like a Titan can fall because of stuff like that. Being poorly managed can just slowly rot away the company and it just, that's it. It's gone. Exactly. And that's not to say that that doesn't affect custom code either, because let's say you choose a host in custom code like Vercel or Netlify that does a lot of things for you. Let's you need to think about off ramping off there. The thing is, with the custom code solution, usually off ramping off a smaller portion or, a, a you know, a one of the verticals 
in your code base is easier than your entire platform, right? So that's where having solutions that are um, modular makes the most sense to me. And just to just to transition to the next segment that Matt's going to talk about, when to use no code, I think a lot of what we're going to be seeing in the future with no code is these kind of modular, headless no code solutions, right? So having a headless CMS with a headless page builder, for instance, in the front end, and then having something in between, maybe a little bit of code in between that you can either integrate or you can just use as is and not have to touch it, but giving you that option to expand the functionality. I think a lot of where no code is going is a kind of a marketplace platform almost. And this is something I've talked to other people about where you just choose different elements of the web development stack, backend, database, frontend, page builder, CMS, combine them all. All of these elements are no code. Combine them all into one kind of stack, no code stack, and use it as the go. Because then what happens is what I was saying before, one of these companies falls. It can happen. What you do is you just choose another one of them from that stack. You only lose one little portion. And as long as there's an off-ramp, on-ramp, it's an easy switch or a relatively easy switch. So the monolith no-code platforms, although some like WordPress, I would say, is established. I don't think WordPress is going anywhere. Like just I'm going to say that pretty confidently. It's also open source. So if yeah. you self-host it, like there is a, a quote-unquote no-code, they host it like solution there. Like WordPress.com is that. But like realistically speaking, I mean, I assume you can probably offload if you were on WordPress.com to WordPress.org, like the no code or the uh, open source. And then you could get a developer to sort of maintain ish it until you migrate somewhere else too. exactly. So like WordPress aside, most of the other no code platforms do have a hosted portion, whether it be just licensing or whether it be uh database management or something like something is hosted. Even the open source ones I say in quotes are open source, but there's something there that's actually managing the payment structure, right? Um, so if they go down, that payment structure goes down, even the open source portion can maybe be manipulated to be completely free or something like that. But regardless, you're still relying on someone else. Anyway, that's that's kind of my take. And that's, that's what I want to transition to with the no code thing is that I think we are heading to a very mature no code system in the future. Like it's not happening right now. We're not at the place exactly right now. We are starting to see it. And like Matt said, uh, with the fact that the, the disclaimer is that I am a, pl- a plasmic developer advocate at this point, that's where I started to see it first. Like even before I joined the team is like, hey, that's a no code platform. That's a visual page builder that can be plugged into something like Next.js or Nux.js or whatever. It's a, a modular piece as a no code piece. I I tend to think that that's maybe where we're going in a, in a, in a grander sense. Well, I mean, not, not to like draw attention to that too, but something where it's sort of like a hybrid of code, no code, whatever, as well allows um, multiple teams to work together, allows the designer to sort of pull more weight than just making mock-ups and allows the, uh, the, the coder or the developer to use no code stuff when doing a common task. And then, Maybe even, let's say, use the built-in blog tool of the no-code thing, knowing that in a few months they're going to make a custom solution, but this is a good stopgap. And it's just sort of like a couple clicks away rather than it being, oh, we got to integrate these plugins and, you know, it's a whole thing. It's different subdomains and whatever else you got to do. It's a bit more right there in your face and the teams are seeing it on this platform. Yeah. And and just to expand on that a little bit more is that the fact that, like, People are worried about developers losing their jobs and stuff like that. I mean, to a sense, I guess it's still a valid worry. But the reality is that their websites have massive technical debt. Matt Matt mentioned it. Like a massive amount of developer time is put towards technical debt, right? A web if you go on anywhere, you go on Amazon.com. That's a massive website with a huge developer team. Click on add to cart. Like that that process takes seconds, even on a fast connection click on anything, like there's just slow user interfaces across the board. If we were to take away the aspect of the developers having to worry about, let's say, at least one thing, styling of the website, the laying out, and put them on focusing on the technical debt to make stuff faster, that's going to obviously make up for a better experience for the users without them having to worry about, you know, changing a div's positioning left to right. 
they can now just go in and figure out why is that add to cart taking so long, right? Why is it when I click on this video, it takes 10 seconds before it even pops up? And websites have these problems, even great looking ones. So it's not to say that your job will just be taken away from you. I think developers will just be allowed to focus on more important problems rather than every little piece of the UI, for instance, or something like that. Like there's other things that the no code will will take over, like databases. A lot of databases are going to be, I think, in the future powered by no code tools because it's just a little bit easier to manage. So it'll allow those database developers to maybe create better database functions or something. I don't know. I don't know about that side of things because I'm not a database developer. But regardless, like there is a positive to giving developers more time to actually develop. That That's a really like that's a good thing to zoom in on, too, is that like there's a lot of sites out there with these with technical debt that that's just soaring, you know, through the roof. And this and the site is a blog or the site is a basic e-commerce solution with maybe a blog and a static front page. And that's it. Like, <laughs> like, why have all this technical debt and stuff like this? And sure, if you know, if you were to go f- to a no code solution, because usually, a, usually a custom coded site is the thing is are the uh, the culprits or the where we point the finger and say, you know, this is where the technical debt lie. It's like custom coded sites. We don't really know what the code, the technical debt of a no code solution is, though. A lot of that stuff is closed source and we don't, we don't really see a lot of that. We see a little bit of it maybe in something like WordPress where, you know, it's a blogging platform, but it can be used as a no code tool. Like it's a big, it's a big platform. WordPress is effectively. It's not just no code thing. It's a CMS. It's a this. It's a that. It, you know, and it's extended to God knows how many different ways to do things, membership sites and everything else. But it's the, the technical debt, the technical debt like problem really. Like really, I would say is is going to reach a crisis point. And to talk to your point about developers losing their jobs, I think a lot of developers are going to be hired to probably. I, I want to say UX design it, but that's not right. What I'm what I'm thinking of is, you know how when we used to make sites, it used to be more or less like. You know, you have a development team and then slowly UX was starting to be considered because the developers are making things functionally function. But then once the general public and a lot of the general public with some of these mammoths of sites being used by people that have no idea have really how to use tech short of going to the website, you know, you need a UX developer to sort of smooth things over. You can't use too much technical jargon. You can't bury things in settings too much. The list goes on, right? Little arrows to guide things. Stuff like that kind of comes in with with the sort of invention or the required um, use of UX considerations, usually from a UX designer. I almost think that the the industry may develop the, the need and maybe already is for someone that's like a debt manager, technical debt manager, where it's a developer that sits there on each meeting or what, whatever and literally almost is almost like an, an, an advocate for the developer team and says that's too much, you know. We can't add that, those type of pictures. That's too much. You know, we can't do that type of button. That's too much. We, that's, you know, we can't up, upgrade that in a week. That's, you, you know, the not enough testing. We, almost like someone that needs to be there to like sanity check all of the different aspects as of things kind of going in and out of the dev team. Because for sure, there's been multiple things update. I got even uh, bigger sites. I'm not going to name any specifically, but bigger sites I've seen, they go through a huge overload, like a overhaul, excuse me. They use it, do go over a big overhaul. And it runs like crap. You got to call them to change stuff. Some things don't save. You're trying to like change your, your account settings and it won't save. Account settings won't open. The button's not there. There's all this sort of stuff. And it's because there was a deadline, more than likely because there was a deadline set. Testing was not complete. Doesn't matter. Deadline's here. We ship it. And it, we almost need that that debt collector, the debt manager to be there. And just it's almost like a person to say, no, no, this is what we can do as an alternative. No, this is going to take too long. More or less like a project manager that's like really technical. That's like in the dev team that, like I said, advocates for the devs. I almost feel like that is going to be what comes of what on Hashnode we read about is effectively a technical debt crisis. And it's just going to get, it's just continually going to get worse. And 
who knows how much technical debt these no-code platforms have because we don't see most of them. So there's probably technical debt everywhere. So if that, if my theory is correct, hopefully a bunch of developers will be hired to help with technical debt, to maybe advocate for technical debt. Only time will tell. Uh, back to the episode in question, though, we're going to cover the no-code side of things now. So when do we use no-code? So no-code is fast, so anything requiring speed is ripe for a no-code project. You can quickly spin up a full blog, a full site in a matter of minutes, especially if the no-code tool you select is specifically designed to do that because there's there's multiple ones that are specialized in things. This one specializes in membership sites. This one specializes in blogs, etc. So as fast as you can more or less fill in a form and type in a credit card number on some of these sites, you can have a live project. You can have a really basic live project up and running, no problem, boom, easy. Now, speed, uh, speed, as we just said, potentially comes with technical debt, this and that and the other thing, but sometimes you absolutely need it. So I just wanted to kind of play devil's advocate there and mention like, you know, we, we were just kind of going against speed and being like, let's be slow and methodical. Sometimes it's literally required. A good example is a consumable, what I would call a consumable site. Let's say Mike and I are throwing a uh, an expo of some sort. We're going to be uh, showing off gaming computers and we have a bunch of vendors and this and that and the other thing. And we need a blog really quick for that website spun up because someone's going to go table to table, document what the people have, take a bunch of pictures and write blog posts on each one of the vendors. That's consumable data because we want that up to advertise this expo. And once the expo is done, now that site is consumed it doesn't necessarily need to be there it it maybe will move the data here there or wherever later but for now it, the majority of the traffic is going to be during this one week or one month whatever the marketing term is and no one's going to really refer to it too much later it's not something that we're, we're considering keeping for the next 10 20 30 40 years like an amazon store or something it's just a means to an end so this that that stuff that requires speed and stuff that especially is consumable is is ripe for no code, no doubt. Also, standard websites. What do I mean by that? No code tools, I mentioned this before, make their products as, as an offering to the masses, which steers their features into commonly used things, specifically tools and features like blogging tools, a CMS, image upload, posting and editing, light boxes for the images or light boxes for embedded things like a videos, e-commerce. So handling, handling the cart, handling the product listings, handling featured products and unfeatured products, sales, maybe even inventory, handling digital products. So virtual product delivery. If, if let's say you're purchasing, uh, you probably wouldn't do this, but if you're purchasing a wallpaper, you would get your JPEG via email or something like that once you pay for it. And of course, credit card handling, handling of the credit card, Google Pay, Apple Pay, debit card, whatever it is that you require in your jurisdiction. Hopefully the e-commerce platform would take would take that into consideration because it's so common. A lot of them do allow you to run all these types of sites that have all these visual aspects as well as an e-commerce blog, all that type of stuff. So this is all standard, right? We've all seen this. We've seen these stores. We've seen CMSs. We've seen, uh, you know, image upload. We've seen this stuff like this. And if you have a proper budget to back up this sort of standard standard site, you can spin it up very fast on, on a no-code tool. Plasmic, Webflow, you know, WordPress if set up a certain way. You can send you can spin things up extremely quickly. Now, again, this isn't as dialed in as something where you're only developing the specific features you need. You're only developing what you want. You're avoiding technical debt uh, at all costs. You're you know meticulously going through every aspect. You're not doing that. This is like I said, a properly like or a well I should say, funded project that you probably want up pretty quick. That maybe is going to be run by or even created by people that are not that tech savvy, and you just you just want to do it. You just want it up, and you want to start selling. You know, your uniqueness is not that you have an e-commerce store. Your uniqueness is what is on your e-commerce store. Same thing goes for a blog. Your uniqueness is not that you have a blog or that you write articles. It is that you, what, what, what it is you are writing about. It is what the content is, what articles, what guides, what photos, whatever it is you're sharing. If your focus, I would say, is on the content, 
and you don't need a unique form factor and you fit into this standard website sort of area and you have the money, no code's probably, probably the way to go because you're not passionate about the site and you're not, even though you could go through and really dial it in with the coding, the custom code aspect, you're not going to because you care about the photos, the images, the selling, the products, the whatever more. So this, this type of project is ripe for no code. Next thing here is when maintenance is a problem. So no code sites are almost always hosted solutions hosted up like on Webflow hosting or WordPress.com or stuff like that, right? The platform is responsible for maintaining the servers and even updating the software. If your project is giving you problems with maintenance due to labor costs, time spent, etc., then maybe a no code tool is what you're looking for. A lot of companies will have a custom code solution because they think that's what they need. And they hire tons and tons of developers only to find that there's a bunch of maintenance problems and a bunch of technical debt and a bunch of other problems that that are just destroying their development team. So then they start having to hire more people, more people, do this, do that, specialists, this, that, and the other thing, just to keep it up and running. When realistically, maybe they could fit all or some of their product features or their website's features into a no-code tool and really really effectively remove or really reduce the amount of maintenance they have to do. And when I say maintenance, I want to be clear. I'm talking technical maintenance. Obviously, content maintenance comes to you. If you have outdated pictures, outdated links, that's on you. But in terms of the servers, in terms of keeping the security up and running, in terms of this and that, that's on the platform. That comes with the package that you're purchasing, the tier that you're purchasing. Webflow is the one that deals with their login system. Webflow is the one that deals with their little uh, pro, uh, profile sort of sharing page. You can have your little, like, you can show off like, Hey, these are the, 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 the various projects that I've designed on Webflow. They run all that. You don't go in there and like, Oh my God, like, where are these fields? And like, are these fields validated? What character set? Like, you don't, you don't do any of that. They do all that. So when maintenance is a problem, no code might be the solution. Next thing here, when your product or project, Mike's mentioned this repeatedly, when your product or project is untested, Many people have ideas that could be built with a no-code tool. People without coding skills, instead of hiring a developer team, have, maybe they have an idea. They they think, I'm going to sell um, blue uh, blue mugs. Sure, I'm just making something up. Blue coffee mugs. And no one's ever done this before. <laughs> no one's ever done this before. It's the greatest idea ever. I'm going to make this. But, uh, you know, I, I, want it, I want it to be budget-friendly. I want this and that and the other thing. But... This person that's doing this is not willing to learn how to code. They're not willing to do all this stuff. So they can't dial in that budget. They can't dial in these features. So it's actually more budget friendly to go to no code, even though it's not the most budget friendly in terms of like the technical side of things. Hiring a whole dev team, hiring an agency is very expensive. So this is actually the most cheap, the the most budget friendly solution they can come up with is working with a no code tool. By doing this, They allow themselves to learn if the idea works. They're testing an untested idea. They're seeing, oh, am I getting any traction? Is this worth upgrading? Is this worth updating? Do they even go to a more uh, higher class no-code solution if it's kind of working and they think, oh, if I push a little bit further in this area, I need a couple more features, I'm switching to this other no-code tool. It allows them to test and kind of get the gears moving in their head and make let them see, you know what, maybe this idea is worth investing in. Maybe I, maybe I can invest more time into it. Maybe I can hire a developer to do a coded, custom coded solution. Maybe that is what we're after. Maybe, so instead of you kind of just going in completely, completely untested, being like, man, I don't know if anyone's going to buy these blue mugs. Maybe you put that site up and you sell out of all 250 of your stock in 10 minutes. Great. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Oh my God. I have to scale, you know? Oh, okay. Let's scale. Let's scale. Let's scale. Oh, I've outgrown whatever no code tool I've selected. Uh, help. But now you can get help because you have a budget because people are buying all, buying all your mugs. It's way better than being like, well, I could spend 10 or 15, 20, maybe even $30,000 on a completely custom coded solution for a blog, the e-commerce solution, the, the hosting, the handling, you know, the maintenance, the, this, the, that, the other thing. All from a, uh, all from a web dev agency. Maybe I could do that, but I have no, no data and no sales, which are, which is effectively is the data. Like I have no sales. I have no traffic. I have no marketing, uh, marketing numbers. I have no market research. Like what do I do? No code. Go in there. $20 a month on average, maybe 30 or whatever, depending on what you're doing. 
test it out. If you like it, great. If it works, great. And it might just work good as a hobby and it's worth keeping on no code. Test it. Test it on no code if you can. See if it's good. If it's good, boom, you can go wherever you want. Stick on no code, go to the coded, doesn't matter. Final thing here. Projects that will not scale out of a no-code tier within a reasonable amount of time. Sometimes you have a project that will not scale out of a no-code platform's tiers, and the project needs to come out quickly. As a project manager, you may be able to use this situation to your advantage, letting the marketing team run that part of the project which frees up any devs that maybe work at the company to work on a different part. Or if it's a small business and you don't have a development team, maybe instead of hiring like even an outside contractor to make this, you may be able to save by just giving it to your marketing team and being like, hey guys, here, learn whatever platform it is and we need this like little quick thing spun up. Now, when I say specifically that they will not scale out of a no-code tier, that isn't a guarantee. There's no guarantees in life, of course. You know, we all get that for the most part. What I mean is this stuff that really, like, almost certainly is not. Stuff like maybe you live in a small town and you're doing a small town fair website for the county fair. I mean, people across the world are probably not going to, en masse, be looking at a random county fair from a random small town in Canada. It probably isn't going to happen. So, you know, you, you figure out approximately how big your town is, how big the town, such the area, the county, whatever is around you, how much population there is. And then you build a site that that's appropriate for that. You can probably build that on a no code thing. It's the same thing with that event thing that I told that I was saying where Mike and I are running some sort of expo showing off custom gaming rigs and having all those vendors and stuff like that. We can figure out generally the size of the market and also the size of the market of where the actual expo, since it's a physical event, is. Are people going to be flying in? You know, do we not expect that? Do we expect that? Et cetera, et cetera. And so you kind of, as you, especially marketing teams, they'll have data on stuff like that where they assume this is going to sell, you know, a hundred thousand, like in the mug idea, this is going to sell a hundred thousand mugs. Maybe we're going to have to go to the gold tier of no code. Maybe we're going to have to do that. Maybe, maybe a hundred thousand is only the bronze and this no code tool allows you to scale. Well, that's great. And we don't think it's going to go higher because the blue mug thing is a promo and that promo is going to end once this movie drops or whatever, right? It's a combination of data. That's like when you have these little like small, concise websites that just need to be spun up quickly. I mean, why reinvent the wheel? Why code them up? I know people hate, especially developers, sometimes they hate no code tools. Why reinvent the wheel, though? And I'd like to point out, you know, as because I didn't want to muddy the waters before, but I'll do it a little bit now. It's like a lot of developers use plugins and stuff like that. Like they're downloading NPM packages to help them get geolocations and GPS and cameras and all this other stuff. They're not coding that stuff up. Someone else coded that stuff up and you're bringing it in. So no code is just like a heck of a lot of those plugins all put together nicely in a package, more or less, and then presented like it's a lot of work. It's, you know, it's a far cry from getting an NPM package to a no code tool. But theoretically speaking, it's largely the same thing. It's you're you're not even if you're coding up something from scratch, you're not coding it up actually from scratch. If you're using React, you're using React. You know, you're actually using a a framework on in there. So sure, you can code up whatever you want, but you are still using a platform to help you as well. So just a little, just a, a you know, a, a, a side note saying like there is like a bit of muddying of the waters here when it comes to stuff like, hey, I'm going to make a cu- whole, like I'm going to make a whole custom solution, but I'm going to use WordPress. I mean, you can do a custom code project and use WordPress to just power the blog. You can use WordPress to just power the e-commerce, et cetera, et cetera. There is a, a place for having like a hybrid or switching between the two with scaling, as I've mentioned throughout this whole episode and stuff like that. So, you know, when we like, like Mike, like Mike mentioned before and with, with low code and like I'm mentioning now, you know, we've in this episode largely kind of cut and dried it from code and or between code and no code, but there is a muddying um, of the waters with plugins, with low code, uh, with a bunch of other variety of solutions, including embedding custom code into no code tools that's largely supported on a lot of platforms. Um, but that's uh, that's my piece on no code. I don't know if you had anything else to add on there, Mike. 
I don't have much to add, but I just want to kind of reiterate your main point, the first point, uh, like the regular standard websites. The reality is, and this might be a little bit controversial in a web dev podcast, almost any marketing site, any uh, business website, like a local business website that just has a phone number on it, essentially, uh, any sort of gallery website, right, where you're showing off photos and stuff like that, any of those sites, which make up a very large portion of the web, let's just be serious now, can and almost should be done on no code at this point. No code has matured to the point where it's there's a mi- like hundreds of different choices, maybe thousands. I don't know where we're at right now in the in, in the realm. It's evolving very quickly, and these regular standard websites that have been done a thousand times are where no code targets. So if you're hiring a developer team around building out your marketing website, I would hesitate. To do that, if your marketing website has some sort of niche feature on it, like we were mentioning in the section before, then go right ahead. But if it's a standard marketing website where you're just showing off your product, you have a landing page, you have your shop pages, stuff like that, no code is probably where it's at. No code is where you sit as a company. It's it's tough for me to say that because I love coding. Like I love using Svelte. I love using React. There's still benefits to that. Even for those websites, even for like a standard marketing website, you can get more out of it using a custom solution. Obviously, you can get that little bit of a performance, maybe, you know, increase your SEO score by a few points or something like that, right? By having a custom solution, you can. Will you though, is a very big asterisk in my opinion. From all the tech audits that I've done, from the companies that I worked at, technical debt becomes a serious issue. And... It's just the reality is, is like these no code platforms. Yes, they have technical debt, but it's very consistent technical debt. That's not really your responsibility for the most part. It's the responsibility of the platform. So that takes that cost and worry away from you. So it's just, it's tough for me to recommend a regular website being built out in anything but no code right now to someone that I'm worried, especially to someone that like is close to me or is a, uh, someone that is worrying about their finances and stuff like that. It's just, it costs a lot of money to build a custom. That's the reality. I mean, we're still going to build custom sites out for sure. Portfolios for developers, even though they can be done in no code, I would still recommend them to be done with code because it's something that you can showcase your, your knowledge, your skills, right? Code is still being used widely, but no code is is huge and it is a solution to a problem that I think not enough people are using at the moment. So like Matt was mentioning with all the different reasons to use no code, there's a lot more. And the reality is for every reason that we gave when to not use no code and when to use code, there's going to be people probably commenting and tweeting at me saying, hey, you can use this platform for that, or you can use this platform for that. You can use this no-code platform because that's where we're at. There's like <laughs> for every little thing in, in in the space, there's a no-code platform and it's only going to get more popular um, because there's money to be made there and companies are making it and there's open source tools making it as well. So it's a really interesting space to be in, the no-code space. I, again, I, I want to reiterate that developers are still going to be around for a very long time. This isn't going to happen overnight where all of a sudden no code is going to be everywhere. But I would recommend learning a little bit more in-depth platforms like frameworks, learning those more in-depth to become more of a niche, to become more of a specialized developer. It could help you kind of graduate to a more a higher role in your job right now, and it could help save your job, you know, 10, 20 years, however long it takes for no code to catch up even more than it is right now. Yeah, it's like it really is a, a tool in the tool chest. And I, I think, you know, the, the the distaste of no code, you know, maybe you don't like a no code tool. That's fair. But it at the end of the day, we're all just creators, you know, and I, maybe a lot of developers don't see themselves that way where they're like, oh, no, creators are people on YouTube and people on TikTok. It's like, no, like you're creating whatever it is, a slider, an e-commerce solution, uh, an, a, an image light box, whatever it is, like you're, you're largely creating. And I mean, you wouldn't ask a YouTuber for some reason to use a more complicated editor 
with the same result. You know, people go in their YouTube channels and they start out, maybe they just edit on their phone or they edit an upload studio on PlayStation or whatever it is. And then they, they advance and they go into, you know, maybe a more prosumer video editing software like a Magic's Vegas, which formerly Sony Vegas, something like that. And then maybe eventually if the, like situation calls for it. They go into something like an Adobe Premiere and various other things. I think Final Cut's another big one and stuff like that. Like you wouldn't go to them and be like, don't use Final Cut. Use, um, you know, whatever blue black pro or whatever Mike's fake company was like, use that one. That one's way harder to use. And it's like arguably, and it is like, no, like coding things up is usually harder. It is sort of reinventing the wheel and it's, but it has a place, of course, for all the reasons that I said, like Mike said and more, um, it, it really does. It really is like to me, like people will argue over so many little things and it's like, we're just creating stuff here. Like <laughs> these are just tools. All these things are HTML, CSS, JavaScript, Elementor, WordPress, Webflow, Plasmic, whatever it is, like React, whatever, Svelte, they're all just tools to create stuff. Choose your tools and go. Different contractors use different tools. Some use Mastercraft. Some use Ryobi. Some use whatever it is. Whatever. And probably not those two. I'm yelled at now. Those are bad brands. That's nice. I don't use tools. So, But the whole point is, is that these are just tools of the trade. And we just, we're here to create sites. We're here to maintain sites. We're here to create uh, the, the infrastructure for them, like servers and stuff like that, or maintain them. And that's it there's nothing else really to consider at the end of the day. It's like, you know, I hate no code tools for this reason. That's fine. That's fair, but it's not fair to write them off for everybody because it is easier to make a blog on Webflow or on WordPress. It is. Then it, instead of being like, Oh, I need to, you know, make sure the character sets are right and get it, you know, architect my database in such a way. And, this and that and the other thing. And it's like a lot of people aren't even doing that anyway. They're doing like custom coded solutions, quote unquote. And then they're downloading a blogging plugin with NPM. And then they're like, they're just using some sort of blog blogging platform that are like at least or even a few of them that will allow them to make a blog pretty easily using React or Svelte or something like, you know what I mean? Or it, it's, it's ridiculous. Or they're using a headless CMS, which is effectively they're effectively no coding out their back end. You know, we're all using a combination of stuff. All we're doing is creating. So if you're out there yelling and hollering about stuff, calm down. <laughs> like I'm one to yell and holler too. But this, in this case, let's calm it down. But, um, that's my piece on, on, uh, no, or on coding versus no coding. Hopefully it helps you if you're wondering on a project and you're like, man, what should I do? What should I do? Remember no code's fast. So you could always test it on there and then there's leave. But I think with that, Unless Mike, you have uh, something else to add. I think, I think that's it. Yeah, no, I'm good. Roll up the old intro or outro, I should say. Yeah. So uh, if you like episodes like this and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. That's Patreon.com/slash/html. All the things. And many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons: Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on BlueBlackDigital.com, Chris from Selfmade Web Designer on SelfmadeWebDesigner.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com, DL Ford from DLFord.io. Bib hashash from Nineblock Media, nineblockmedia.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se, uh, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale, and Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.